the organizations who are still focused on time versus value, that is where they're having a real tough time struggling with this. Like, what do you mean these people are getting their job done in 20 hours and then going out and enjoying time with their family? Why aren't they, why aren't they working the additional 20 hours versus like, oh snap, they're still making us a ton of money because don't trip everybody. Every employee, the company makes X amount of dollars off of you. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshovsky, and welcome to another episode of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from remote work experts, digital nomads, and location-independent entrepreneurs, so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Kaleem Clarkson, the COO of Blend Me Inc., a remote people operations consultancy that helps startups and small businesses transform into high-functioning remote or hybrid workplaces. He has been featured in Harvard Business Review, named to LinkedIn's top 10 voices in remote work, and listed as one of the top 15 remote work advocates by the All-American Speakers Bureau. Kaleem is also a successful speaker, having presented alongside leaders from companies such as Google, United Airlines, Visa, Facebook, Netflix, Airbnb, and many others. Two things before we jump into the interview. Number one, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter, Remote Insider, where every Monday I share the most important developments in the areas of remote work, online business tech, and the digital nomad lifestyle. It has been called mandatory reading by other subscribers, and if you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you will also love being a Remote Insider subscriber. You can subscribe to that at thatremotelife.com forward slash remote insider, all one word. And number two, I would like to personally invite you to join our TRL listener Slack channel, which you can find at thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. In the Slack channel, you will be able to have direct contact with me, meet other listeners of this show passionate about the future of work, the digital nomad lifestyle, and entrepreneurship, and we'll be putting together events and Q&As with some of our biggest podcast guests to dive in even deeper with them. Access to the Slack channel is completely free, and again, the link that you can join at is thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. Finally, if you haven't left a review of the show already, please consider taking a second to do that. I made it very easy for you to leave a review. Simply head on over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and select your podcast player of choice. It's that easy. It literally takes less than a minute and I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Kaleem Clarkson. All right, Kaleem, welcome to the show, man. I'm very excited to finally get you on here. How you doing? Very well, man. Very well. Thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate it. Can't believe I made it. I made it. Oh, please. <laughs> of course. Of course you made it. Well, man, um, I want to start off. So first, you do so many interesting things. And usually what I do is, is I come on here and before we kind of jump into the conversation, I do like a very quick like one minute. Hey, here's what you need to know about the guest. But I don't want to, you do so many things within the remote work space that I want to make sure that I don't butcher any of them. So you have the podcast, <laughs> Remotely We Are One, right? 
Yes. You have the yes, consulting yes. agency Blend Inc., which works with uh, startups and, and, and businesses. Blend me. Blend me. Blend me. Uh, yep. In terms of in terms of consulting, and then you yes. have the remotely one community, which is yeah. a free community for location dependent professionals. Correct? Am I missing anything? Did I say all that correctly? Is that how you <laughs> present yourself? Is that how you introduce yourself? Yes, yes. I, I guess if I had to add one more thing, speaker. Like speaker came out of nowhere. That was something that I did not plan for, and and now I'm I'm spending a lot of my time speaking, doing doing different speaking engagements. But yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, man. Great research, bro. Great research. Oh, thank you, thank you. So <laughs> I wanted to talk about the speaking later on, but let's just talk about it now since you brought it up. I'm very curious yeah. about speaking because it's something that I've always so I've done one public speaking thing event in my yep. life and i yep. loved it i loved it and so for me That's speaking cool. has always been something where i'm like oh i'd love to do more of that and i think a lot of people feel that way it's kind of like a dream thing like people pay me to go like speak in front of others how did you end up doing that like you said it just sort of like happened and now you spend a lot of time doing it how you know tell me a bit more about that process and how did it come about and what do you do speaking on yeah, that's geez, that's a that's a yeah, that's a great question. And I wish I had this this, you know, magic, you know, <laughs> you know, setup for you, this magic potion, but it really happened by accident, honestly. A lot a lot of times these things aren't intentional and you just have to kind of go with some of the flow. And I think it all started I think the first talk I ever gave was part of a panel, I think workplaceless. I mean, it's not the first time I've ever um you know, presented, I, you know, my previous career, I presented in higher education about website design. And, you know, I've presented a lot of times in my life, um, just from whatever, whatever things, even, hey, if I got to go back to trying to be a rock star when I was in a rock metal band in, in college, you know what I mean? So I'm not afraid to grab a microphone and be up on stage or whatever. So that piece I've never had a real, real problem with. But like speaking about remote work specifically, like just going back to that question, um, yeah, well, I think Workplaces reached out to me to be a part of a panel um, in 2020, early 20, maybe June, or like something like that. Um, then another agency reached out and said, hey, we would like to have you do a webinar. And I think, I think in the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot more opportunities for people to speak because before there was travel involved. Um, a lot of times when, you have, when you're paying someone, there's booking agencies involved. And yeah, I, you know, there's a, there's a saying by a friend of mine, Chris Dyer, who says, you know, just try not to say no. Uh, sorry, Chris, to throw your stuff out there and people are going to start hitting you up. But, um, you know, I just kind of said yes in the beginning. And as I started getting more into it, I started kind of honing the presentation of, of, of what I'm going to speak about. I don't know what other speakers do necessarily, but, you know, I try to speak about, you know, one or two topics. Um, and just really kind of hone that presentation throughout the year and, 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 you know, update it, change it, you know, really work on it and try to try to master the craft. Um, then someone just advised to me to get on some of these, these uh, free speakers platforms like speaker hub, or um, there's a bunch of them out there and, and just get your speaker profile out there. And then the next thing is, is you got to have a website. Um, if you go to blimmyinc.com and you click on events, I, I don't know who advised me to do this was early. I think this was like right after the, the workplaceless, um, speaking engagement, every podcast, 
uh, every workshop, every, um, you know, panel that I'm on, we obviously market that ourselves to our email newsletter, but I also, we also list every single one of those on our website. So if you go to our website, you can see almost every speaking engagement that, that we've, that I've been a part of. And, you know, over two years, it goes from eight, 10, 12, 20, 30. <laughs> and I think, you know, the organizations get larger and larger and larger as you, as you progress. So yeah, I think, I think there's a couple of things that I would do. Um, come up with a topic. Obviously you got to come up with a topic. And the first thing I was real nervous about was like, whoa, um, my topic has to be crazy unique. It doesn't have to be unique. I mean, almost everything that you can think of has been, you know, talked about, right? I mean, it's very difficult for somebody to come up with a with an original thought that hasn't been researched or whatever. Um, to me, when I really started getting into the idea of storytelling and, and I'm trying to become a better storyteller, everyone has their different style of speaking. I'm not saying everyone has to be a storyteller, but, uh, you know, I have a long, long, long ways to go once I realize, okay, storytelling is a masterful skill in itself. Yeah. So now I'm like, learning about and it's applicable to so many like things yeah like if you yeah. if you know how like i just reread um building your story brand by donald miller mm. i think it's donald miller have you ever read it mm -hmm. oh it's phenomenal it's because it's We're so good and it's, list. it's so applicable to so many things like he takes it from like how to how to sell and market your business from a storyteller's perspective. And so essentially like oh, that's fascinating. Like making your business the guide to your customer's journey because the customer is the hero and how to like walk your customer through like the story arc, right? But it's so applicable to everything else. Like, I mean, if you take the lessons from that, you can then apply it to, okay, every single piece of content, right? I'm the guide who is my hero that I'm trying to guide through the story and how do you put, it's so good. It's, it's such a, like, you know, we as humans have been communicating in that way for such a long time that I think wow. we forget that, that, you know, it's like, everything is a story. We always try to put it in, in that context. Um, so I definitely recommend reading that book. And if anyone's listening, it's, it's great also for please. like crafting your website. It's so good for that. Yes. Please put that in the show notes. Everybody's got to get this for book. Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. To, make sure you you message me this so I can get this. Uh, yeah, grab I'll this, send it grab to this you. book. It's, it's important. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the last thing about the storytelling that I think was super helpful during the pandemic, I joined um, this website called Lunch Club. Shout out Lunch Club. I'm giving them a, a free lunch promo. or launch lunch club. Lunch, lunch like, club. Like like the most yeah, yeah. part. Of, yeah. Yeah, My so favorite meal. basically yeah. go have lunch, go have lunch with someone. So how they originally started was before the pandemic and they had to have lunch club in your city. Then you would you would join lunch club and they would match you with a random person based on your attributes and why you want to be there. And it's all business related. And you would then go have lunch with this person, a random person, right? Well, obviously, when the pandemic happened, they had to switch, they pivoted, and then they did these matches online. So you would just get matched with a random person on a video call for 45 minutes and it blew up. It got huge, like real fast. Like, you know, went from, you know, whatever users to mil hundreds of millions of users now. And I, I use that very, very, like I, you can sign up and it feels like what's cool about it is you sign up for a time slot and it, and it basically blocks that time slot on your calendar. Then it matches with somebody and automatically adds that person to your calendar invite. So you don't have to do anything. 
You just got to put, put your three dates that you're open and times. Mm-hmm. So what was great about that is that I didn't know this until probably around my 10th or 15th call when I just met this random person and, and they actually helped. She actually helped people craft their stories for TED Talks. And she was telling me that my story was a story. Like the idea of how we started blend, like, you know, and, and the whole storyline of where we are today. She's like, that's a story that has peaks and valleys and you got to figure out how to tell it. And you only have a certain amount of time to tell that story when you're on these lunch clubs. So I was thinking about that and I've kind of and I started repeating my intro because basically when you do these cold intros, they're like, what do you do? You know, how do, how do you do? What are you here for? So you're pretty much telling your intro story over and over and over again. And that really helped me. You know, I've done over 150 of those. So like it, 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 me telling my story over 150 times really, really helped like yeah. a lot. <laughs> so I'm curious about, about the speaking. And I bet this is kind of uh, I'm going to ask you the question that I think everyone is wondering, which is the financial part of speaking, right? You don't have to yes. tell us how much money you're making off of speaking, but I'm curious to know at what point does it become financially feasible from like a, a pay perspective? Uh, because, you know, obviously if you're thinking about like really, really big speakers that are getting paid like hundreds of thousands of dollars to go like speak yeah. or maybe even yeah. more to go speak. I heard yeah. I heard the number that Obama gets paid for speaking gigs and it blew my mind. Um, yeah. Because I mean, I won't be afraid because I feel like we... I feel like we have to tell people. So my highest speaking gig was bid at twenty four thousand dollars. Wow! So, so to do it with that in person, a keynote talk, yeah, in person. Very cool. Um, the lowest I've been paid since I've been speaking professionally, generally speaking, it's you know it's five grand a pop. Generally speaking, for you know a video call, right? A video keynote. If you're part of a panel, I've been a part of a panel where you know five thousand, you know was part of a panel. Um, so sometimes that helps because a lot of times as a speaker, you can't get other items and you always have to ask, you know, and again, like I'm, I'm keynoting for an event in the web development space, Drupal um, at some point here in, in, you know, in the November time, hopefully this will be out, but I'm um, sorry, not to date, date relate this, but uh, anyway, I'm keynoting sorry. for open source and of course, I'm not charging for that. Like that's my that's my community that I started this whole thing from that that I contribute back, you know, that I want to be a part of. And I do that for free. Other all the alternatives depending on what the budget is, like you just have to be you have to ask for something as a speaker. And personally, I feel like no speaker should do any any talk for free. I think at this point we're past free presentations. If if you can ask somebody to present you can pay $200, $250. Like by just paying something, I feel like it's, it's, it's a show of respect. So it's difficult to turn things down. Like that's, that's, that's a tough part. Like I've turned down a lot of gigs that I didn't, you know, you know, one gig I turned down from a major, major newspaper. And I was, I was sad that I did, I did it after because it would have been huge. Right. But at the same time, if you're trying to be a professional, you need to get paid to be a professional, right? So at some point, you have to, you know, you have to actually charge for it and 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 go much higher than you think. That's what I learned. Someone told me, like, the, the time I asked for, you know, I asked for like 28,000 once and I was so scared. 
I was like, what am I doing? Like, who yeah. am I to ask that? Like, you know, yeah, I've been on LinkedIn top, whatever, but like, who am I? Well, when you look at the, the fees, like back to your point of Obama, Obama's what? Is he 500,000? Is he 500,000? I'm going to tell you you're missing a few zeros. <laughs> Obama's more than 500 now. He's 5 million to speak. You see I that? I think it's more I think it's more than 5 million. Okay, so you see that? So like somebody like us who know who you've spoken to a lot of people, sir. You know, you've spoken to some of the top remote work experts. You have a lot of expertise just through osmosis, let alone mm-hmm. what you know from your own professional setting. So if somebody, of course, we're talking about one of the best speakers ever, you know, if he's getting 5 million you know, some random person that, you know, had a great story that, that struggled through their life, who went through addiction and he's now, you know, fighting through it. They're getting, you know, 35, 40,000 at some of these corporate events. Yeah. So just don't sell yourself short, throw it out there. Always ask for something. So if you're not going to get like what you want for a fee, you have to determine if it's worth it to you. So I always say, okay, how many people are attending this event? So I have like a checklist a speaker's um a speaker's request form that i send people to it says how many people are at the event um are they are they purchasing a ticket to this event to attend right because i want to know if you're generating revenue how much you generating because that will that will change that will change my fee right right like if you're generating a million dollars on fees and there's only 10 speakers i can do math and i'm going to be like okay well you know, two, right. you're, you're offering me $250. I'm actually kind of, I actually already have an opinion and there's a good chance I'm, I, I may not do that because, you know, the fact that you offered me $200 and you're, you're generating, you know, a couple million dollars on a, on an online event. So anyway, you ask those questions and if you can't get the fee, okay, how many people are going to see this? Do I get the email list? That's a big one. If you're not going to provide me the email list and you're not going to pay me, and you're not marketing this on your social media channels. That's the other question I ask. How many followers do you have on social media? Are you going to put out digital assets, digital cards? And are we going to be able to share this ahead of time? And who are you sharing it to? Ask those questions and then I can kind of change, you know? So, we see, this is, I think, like, it, I don't know. Maybe listeners are going to disagree with me. But this is what I think is really fun about this podcast is that now we are, at least for me, this is what's really fun is, like, I really want to go down the speaking route right now. Uh, because I think this is so fascinating. Um, I I had other things to talk about. Itching your own scratch. Yeah, for sure. Scratching Um, your own itch. There you go. Scratching. No, but I think I think people are very curious about this, and I thank you so much for being you know upfront and honest about this because I think yeah, you know we need people to tell their fees. Absolutely. That's the other thing. If you don't charge, we we none of us gets paid, and 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 I want to be paid more than that. Like like that's not enough to you know survive or pay our family. You know, I'm not getting booked. Mm -hmm. 50 because of those, I think, you know, I've talked about this with like my father-in-law because he's, you know, in his uh, early 60s. And that's something where, like, you know, even in terms of like how much your friends are making or, you know, like struggles that you're having, he always t- tells me like, you know, in my generation, like we don't talk about this. And my question is always <laughs> no. like, OK, but then how do you know if you're being undersold, if you're like underselling Correct. yourself in terms of how much you're charging? And so. And these right. are the sort of conversations that, for example, I'll have with friends of mine behind closed doors in terms of like, how much is your business charging for this? And how much are you making? And what are your mm-hmm. margins? Mm-hmm. And these are very valuable conversations that people need to hear. So thank you for, for sharing that. But I think a lot of people listening are wondering, 
okay, you are charging because they even think on the lower end, a lot of people would say, man, like if somebody's going to pay me five grand to go speak about a topic that I'm really interested in, that sounds awesome. How do you five get- Five grand plus travel, road? sir. Five, five, five grand, grand plus, plus travel. travel. I they, love yeah, it. You want to yeah. go there home go. with 5,000. There you, you wanna, go. Yeah, it really is. You want to go home with $5,000 in your pocket. Right. I wanted to take a quick break and tell you about our sponsor for today's episode, Safety Wing. As a longtime digital nomad and remote worker, I can tell you from experience that travel medical insurance is extremely important. The more time you spend abroad, the more you increase your chances that eventually something will happen. Maybe you will get sick and need to see a doctor, or you're going to crash your scooter in Bali and have to get a cast. Either way, figuring out how to pay for that procedure in a foreign country is not what you're going to want to deal with at that moment. And that's why I love SafetyWing. Their services are designed for people like you and me. Their Nomad Insurance is a global travel medical insurance with emergency coverage across 185 countries. Their remote health package, on the other hand, provides remote companies and employees with global health insurance. Not to mention that SafetyWing is also funding the Plumia Project, which is working to establish the first ever country on the internet. So if you're still nomading unprotected, what are you doing? Head over to safetywing.com and find the insurance package that's right for you. You. And also, consider using the affiliate link in the show notes, which will directly support me in continuing to produce this podcast. So thanks again to SafetyWing for sponsoring us. And now back to the episode. You said that the first thing was workplaceless, right? But how do you get noticed? Because I feel like there's so many people that are quote unquote experts on the internet about something that, you know, say that they have something valuable to say. How do you say That's a out? whole different... That's a whole now. I mean, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Well, let's talk <laughs> you know about it. It's a whole different story. I, what is? The, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I you know, like I don't. I don't know how to say that. You know, I don't know what I do works. I mean, I talk to a lot of people. I enjoy beverages. You know, so <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, I yeah. don't know what to tell you. Like, if you're not out there hanging out with people, so before the pandemic, right? I went. I did a lot of things like at, at events. Now, as during the pandemic, I went to a ton of free webinars. Um, I think workplaces probably asked me because I was in their weekly, you know, co-work together workshops or monthly things. Like you have to be active, join Slack communities, um, very active on LinkedIn. I mean, we've been following each other for a while now. Um, you know, you just have to be active and, and have purpose. You know, I think, um, you know, no one's just going to find you as a speaker. I mean, that's I've, I've had some fortune that way. Um, and honestly, look, a lot of conferences are trying to have more diversity in their speaking, their speaking, which is great. So I'm not I'm yeah. not tripping. I know that that I know that there's some help there. Right. Like there's definitely some help there because a lot of, of these technology conferences and small business conferences have been predominantly white over the years. It's and it's great yeah. that we're moving that way. So. There's probably some a little bit. I can't can't be naive to the fact that there's probably a little bit of a bump there, but for the most part, I mean, I mean, we're all out there posting. I'm I'm sure you get right. random requests for certain things as well, right? You know, you're out there, you're talking, you're speaking. Um, yeah, you just got to get out there. The reason why I ask that is, a, I'm curious, and I'd love to do more speaking. So if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'm gonna pay Miko to come speak. Holler at your boy. I'm interested. Um, but <laughs> Mikko, there we go, man. We're gonna do a speaking gig together. There it is. I'll, I'll, it. I, you, you, 
Words, words are real, sir. It's it's out in the ether, so that means you're gonna have to say yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but the other reason why I'm bringing this up is is something that I've been really fascinated with, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this because I think right. you'd have a very good perspective on this. Is I think, unfortunately, the nine to five as this idea of hey, I have X, you know, generic skill set. I graduated from college and I have like some resume, so I'm going to go apply for this job. I think is dying because if we look at the way automation is heading and the way that we have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of jobs now because of remote work are able to be outsourced a lot more easily. And so you get a Mm -hmm, whole big mm -hmm. chunk of this work that's being outsourced. The really good jobs, the ones that we want, the ones that are high paying, that are challenging, that are interesting, are going to go more in the way of, I think, some version of freelancing a little bit, maybe like very long-term freelance projects until it gets to a stage where you can move on to the next one. And I think that those kind of jobs are going to go to people who have personal brands. People who, when you, you know, it's not something that's going to be on the market. It's going to be like, Hey, I need this thing done. And the person who needs to do it is this person because they're already in my mind for that. And I think this speaking, all these things develop that in a certain way. And I, so I think it's important for everyone, not just for people who want to be speakers. I mean, bro, Nico, you, you just, you just knocked it out the park. I can't emphasize this enough. We are heading towards, we're not heading towards, we're there already. Like, like just think about this concept right here. If you have enough followers on any of your social medias, you just get compensated for just saying hello to a brand. I mean, I think I've read LeBron James is getting 500000 for a tweet. Like, think about that. Something that takes him 10 seconds. I mean, I love to get that hourly rate. Yeah. 10 seconds. Like leverage. Or, you know, like, like, so when you talk about, you know, you have all the college sports paying, you know, college kids for their likeness now. You know, like, like college kids can get paid in sports just for using their likeness. So now they can get money for that. Which thank goodness like, because those kids have been getting that, uh, ripped yeah off yeah yeah we all know they decades. we all know that they yeah. were getting it before but the fact that the fact of the matter is that there's already social proof of what you're talk what of what you're explaining and your word now is becoming more and more valuable right like like your ability to say hey you know I trust I trust Kaleem. I trust you know remote life like. Those that those words that just came out of the ether, they're there forever. They're gonna hear it forever and ever. And those have value. So you're one hundred percent right, man. I, I, I do believe that we're talking about more of the gig economy moving forward, where people are their own brand and instead you're gonna be going to Kaleemclarkson.com or I'm not gonna attempt to spell your whole name out, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> you're gonna go to Mitko's.com site. There you go. Yeah, it's um, I own so my wife jokes about this with me because uh she owns mitkokarshovsky.com. It's under her account. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, "Listen, if we ever if you ever sour me in some way, you know, I I can do some uh you do some damage." Um because my That's, personal website She got is, you. She yeah, got you, bro. Pers- my personal website is Mitkoka, which is because I, like my last name is too long to spell. I'm not, yes. you know, yeah. I understand how that works. And so it's like my social is Mitkoka. And so that's my like my Gary V, so to say. Uh, yeah. So 
yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my personal one. But yeah, have you ever read this? So there's this fascinating paper. I don't know if you've ever read. It. It's called The Nature of the Firm. No, have you ever heard of this paper before? It's mm-hmm, by this no. um, uh, economist by the name of Ronald Coase, who actually won um, uh, a Nobel a Nobel Prize for that paper, in which he talks about why a company grows to a certain size. And people have heard me talk about this on the podcast, but I think it's so important because this paper was written in 1937, and it's now playing out in real life because he talks about companies expanding because it's really expensive to do work with outside talent. But what his whole idea Mm. is that companies want to stay as small as possible because it keeps them nimble. And so once the transactional cost of working with outside talent reduces enough, companies are going to shrink. And we're seeing this right now where, you know, companies are able to, you know, very easily go on Upwork, hire a professional, hire somebody that's an expert. There's an amazing company out there called the A-Team, which is so cool. Where it's like, hey, you need a dev team. We have devs put together. You hire the whole team. They come in, they get their job done, they leave. I call it the Avengers model, right? I need all the Avengers for one movie. Then they can go their own separate ways for 10 different movies and then come back together. Um, Mm, And I think think that's the future of work. I think it's so fascinating. Um, You know what's interesting about that? Like I I think I somewhat agree with that philosophy as far as the companies being smaller. But at the same time... Like if the work, if the volume increases and you're just hiring more contractors, it's really still the company. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I totally get like, theoretically, you have less people on payroll, you have less things. I, I get that. But if you have a thousand projects today and you're a company of, let's just say a hundred people and tomorrow you have 5,000 projects and now you're a company of, let's just say five people. I mean, you know, uh, you're a smaller company. I mean, theoretically you are, but like your volume and your work and your ability to bring people together on a part-time basis and execute is at a high level. So you're doing a lot of volume. I, I do believe that like the gig economy will be a lot more powerful and people will have the autonomy, but I'm just not so sure about the entities that will be paying out that money. Those will still be, because people want businesses want to be able to hold an entity accountable for the work. And I just feel like, you know, especially when you're talking about huge, large contracts, like especially in the web world, in the web world, huge contracts like the NFL, that might, that might get sold to a, like one huge company, like Accenture, but Accenture is mm-hmm. divvying that up to like, you know, right. 20 different companies. You know what I mean? So I just kind of feel like that, that will, that will be the, the future. Well, the interesting part about that is that the the rule of the internet, right, is that you get a few giants and then a long tail of small providers, right? So you have a Google, a Meta, an Amazon that are behemoths that within it, they're actually a bunch of different companies, right? Like there's like no one, you know, Amazon owns a bunch of companies, but they're technically Amazon. And then you get a long tail of smaller providers that are niche. It's just how the internet works. And so that's what I think is like, there might be like, and I don't have, I I haven't thought this through a lot because you do make a really good point about that, but I'm wondering if it's going to be, if it's going to follow that path, right? Where you have a bunch of companies that gobble it all up in each industry but then you have a small tail of people who kind of like, all right, it's like a four person company that, you know, 
zooms out to being 10 when they bring in a big client or a big contract or something yes, like that. Yes, that, that's going to happen. And I, and I do believe people will make more money. Now, outsourcing might impact the way the globe sees wages. So, you know, maybe we start making a little, a little less money at first yeah. because, you know, people will outsource to a lower lower um, so rates. But yeah, you're competing with a global talent pool that might not be right. making as much as. Yeah, right. So we, we may see it dip down first. But I think what's going to happen is, is hopefully someday we the world comes to <laughs> or the United States, you know, gives uh free healthcare and and i just feel like once we get over that hurdle of like health insurance um i I mean like i can't imagine how much easier it is to be a freelancer in canada you know like from a standpoint of risk like taking life risk because you you know you health insurance is is provided for you you know like in other swedish and nordic companies those things those basic things of survival of health insurance are provided for you. So there's just less mental or, or financial strain to provide those resources. So, I mean, I think once we get over kind of that hurdle, I could see people um, choosing the freelance life, life a little bit more because you can make more money. If you can do three projects at once, because, you know, now we're losing that concept of time. I feel like that's where right now with all this return to office and remote work stuff, I think, um, I think that the, the the organizations who are still focused on time versus value, that is where they're having a real tough time st- struggling with this. Like, what do you mean these people are getting their job done in twenty hours and then going yep. out and enjoying time with their family? Why aren't they Why aren't they working the additional twenty hours? Versus like, oh snap, they're still making us a ton of money because don't trip everybody. Every employee the company makes X amount of dollars off of you. So it's yep. like, I always know, tell so people who are hesitant to, to become freelancers where I tell them like, how much do you make right now at your regular job? And they're like, you know, 60, $70,000. I'm like, okay, so you realize the company you work for makes more than that money, you know, off of you because like, that's how the math works. Like you bring, they're making money <laughs> off you. Right. Right. So right. If a company is paying you 60K, they're making double that off the work that you're providing, right? Because we've been so associated with time, what gets lost is the thing that you were actually doing. So you just answering the phone. Most people are like, oh, that's just that's just a ridiculous job. You're just answering the phone. And, and you're not even thinking about, well, if I don't answer that telephone call, then the sale does not come through and that sale is worth X amount of dollars. So how much am I actually, how much of, as me just picking up the phone, how much do I deserve out of that sale that comes through the phone? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of trippy to think about value. It's tough for a lot of businesses though, because I completely agree that the work that you do is based on value, right? Like how much value that you create versus how much time you spend working. Because somebody can say, okay, you go and you earn 24K from a speaking engagement. Someone can say, you got up there and you spoke for 30 minutes and we're going to pay you $24,000. That's ridiculous. But no, it's the value that you bring into it, right? The amount of research and, you know, experiences that have had that you've had to go through to have content and an opinion that's worth $24,000, right? Like that's, I completely agree with that, but it's also really hard for companies to then it's very hard to systematize into an easy way of gauging how we pay employees. And I think that's where a lot of these companies are like, I'm going to, you know, it's like an easy way for people to kind of like 
find a way to to charge and to to do payments, I guess. But you know it's yeah. dying when Time Doctor, Time Doctor, which is a time tracking software, does not advise oh, yeah, Liam. that you track. Yeah, Liam's awesome. He's been on the podcast several times. <laughs> they advise that you do not track the time of your employees the way that some of these companies are doing it. They say use it for your internal data, not for like, you know, if your employee works 40 hours a week or not, because it doesn't matter. I love the fact that they have a surveillance tool built in and it was built based on that whole theory of like, hey, I need to know if this person's doing their work and they don't use it internally. How unbelievable is that? That's great. They do use it internally. But they, so their whole thing is the way that Liam describes it, which I'd never heard of before until I talked with him about it, is that he said the way that you want to use our data is so that then when you can say, you want to be able to find people who are, oh, that's really interesting. So you're working three hours less than everyone else per day, yet you're generating just as much revenue and results. What are you doing differently than all the rest of our employees need to do? Because you've Mm -hmm. clearly figured something out. Right. Right, So they use it from like using it to maximize performance. Right. 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 They don't care how long they care about you getting the like results and they use it for like coaching and training. Right. Because they track everything. It's not just time that they track. It is hard. It is hard to do value value, you know, trying to think about value based work. But I I do believe people will figure out. Uh, I, I love my father in law builds houses up in Maine. Shout out to Cameron Builders out there. Bruce Cameron. Go get a mansion built. But uh, he was all like, when you work for yourself, Kaleem, uh, your money's endless. You're not capped on how much you can make. And I just, you know, like when he said that, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're not capped at how much money you can make when you work for yourself. And it took me a second to like really understand what he's saying. I was like, no, no shit. He's right. Like, you know, once you have a product and you're selling it, you know, if you, if you want to sell more of it, cool. If you don't, you don't. I mean, of course, there's a limit to how many sales that you made. But, you know, in certain situations, you could sell a million things and still get paid. You know, you work for a corporation. I always use the example of what motivation does somebody have to innovate? If when you're stuck on time, what motivations does anyone at your company have to innovate? I use this example of a developer. You pay a developer 100K and they do A, B, and C for 40 hours a week for the whole year. That developer then designs a script that can do his whole job or her whole job with in half the time, way less than the time. Maybe it could do their whole job. What does that person get for designing the script? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what's their reward? Okay, why don't you, right. why don't you we'll flip it around. They what's get their paid reward? Less. If they find a way to well, do it for in less time, they get paid less, which means they don't innovate. True, true. But what do they do once they hand that script in? Do they get a reward for that? Like once they, oh, hey, I wrote this script. What do they get? What do right. they get back in return? Nothing. More work. They get more work. Oh, because now they got to fill the time. I gotcha. You get more work. Why? So right. why? And that script could make you... A trillion more dollars, right? Because now all your you could use that script for all the employees that you were paying that amount of money for, right? So that person just innovated something that could just make you so much money. But like, why would that person want to even think about doing that and making making their job more efficient, right? Well, this is it's where... really tough. It's so tough. Like, how do you right. how do you do that? 
And I don't know. I don't well, have an answer for it. And this is, I think this is where, you know, we start entering that conversation of like what Web3 and the blockchain of business could do um, in terms of like Ooh, creating that like ability that like everyone has a little bit of ownership in the company and is improving Ooh. the like organization. There's right, because I wrote that script. You can see I'm the original owner of the script. Give me long-term piece of it. Wow, yeah. bro. Did we just invent something? Did we just invent well, I, I don't think I don't motivate? think we invented it. No, but like, no, we're talking about this from employee motivation. Yeah. We're talking about this from employee innovation. You stole this from somewhere? I mean, Mika, we can't take this credit. I don't think we can take this credit, but I think it's been like a conversation. Yeah. Um, so but so has actually, someone done this? Do you know of someone that has done this? Implemented. So there's, if you you innovate something at this company, yeah, and we will blockchain it and you will get something for it forever. I think I don't know. I don't know enough to know if someone has implemented it. I will tell you, like, have you ever heard of the concept of a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization? No. Tell me more. So that's a lot of people are saying, not a lot. I'm going to sound, I'm, see, this is the issue is I'm dangerous. Like I know enough to be dangerous in this topic, yeah, but yeah. I, I, you know, to somebody. All right. You know, like, you know what? Idiot. Send us in the comments, you know, send something yeah, in the like, comments. If we're an idiot, you know, like, this right. is good dialogue. <laughs> that's right. So a DAO. And the reason why it's interesting is because it's a way to run an organization. Okay. On the blockchain. So essentially the idea is that DAOs can be the future of government or the future of like governing bodies, whether that's a business or something else. And it works in that way where because it's on the blockchain, you can see exactly how much each node, each person on in that organization has contributed. So the idea okay. is that it's like it helps in that way. It makes it so that like everyone is kind of like a peace owner and whatever they participate in. You know, it would be everyone would have a piece of the com of the company in a way. Um, mm, mm, mm. But That's there's so a, a, really an actual project, an actual project on this that I've seen playing with like a similar idea of this is actually taking Upwork and combining it with an Asana and putting that on the blockchain with the idea being that it's all anonymous and the way that you do it is imagine be building out your project in Asana and then taking each silo of that project and selling it and saying like, hey, somebody bid on this piece of the project. Right. Like and for this ticket, anonymous, for this, for this, for this yep. task, you're going to get X amount for this. And then this next yep. person comes in and does another task and you're going to get X amount and it just keeps building. So people who are motivated that want to keep crushing tickets and add more tickets, they're building more equity in the, in this, in this organization that we're talking about. And the cool thing is it's not, no, this is more for like, they're using this more as like a project management and like an Upwork version, not necessarily like a DAO. But the really cool part about it is that the people are anonymous. So you don't know if they're American, if they're Indian, if they're from South America, they're coming in and you can view all their past work, right? Because it's all in the blockchain. And it doesn't matter where they're from and you can't use your like, you know, like people will say like, your oh, you're outsourced to somewhere. Yeah, your biases aren't at play because they're anonymous. It's just their work that matters. Wow. And so I think yeah, that you that's gotta, You got to share that. You got to share that, bro. That's put I'll another show note. Put it in the show notes. I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah, show yeah. notes in this episode is going to be hot. 
Dude, the show that's notes a, are always hot. Dennis, my my editor, crushes it with the with the show notes on here. Um, I want to ask. Out, I know we're running out of time, um, okay. but I want to ask you. You know, from your perspective, you worked with a lot of companies. We didn't even get to talk mm-hmm. about the fact that you were ranked by LinkedIn as one of the top voices in remote work, which is so cool. All these people are getting all these cool accolades. I know Darren Murph came on here and he's like the Oracle of remote work by CNBC. I was like, that's the coolest uh, <laughs> thing ever. Um, what opportunities do you see for people who are listening? Obviously, they're passionate mm-hmm. about remote work. They, A lot of the listeners are passionate about remote work, about all the things yeah. that are happening in this in this space, and maybe they're trying to get into it. What are opportunities that you see that companies are struggling with, they need help with? Like just from your perspective, where do you see the opportunities at large in the space that maybe listeners of the show can look to get involved in? Mm, that's a great question. That's a great question. And so for me, I, I, I feel like the big challenge that we're having right now is this divide, this friction. And it's been going on for a while. If if I've you probably heard me talk about this if you've heard me speak before, but you know, this glaring friction between employee and employer and man, you know, leader. Leader wants everyone in the office. Employee employee does not want to go into the office. That's just the the nature of this this kind of little battle that we're having. And then this kind of forced return. So back to your question of I want to get involved in this remote work space. Number one, well, why do you want to be involved? Is it you just want to be a remote worker because you enjoy the flexibility? Or do you want to help move this um, movement forward? And, and, and if it's of the latter, then, you know, you have to just find those, 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 those holes. And where I'm seeing a lot of the holes is understanding that, like, the idea of being flexible and someone only working at, I like to say, 80% is way better than someone working at 100% who is looking to leave. You know, 80% and happy and engaged. And and I'm just, when I say 80%, I'm talking about just productivity on just some weird (laughs) line that we're making up that doesn't exist, right? So, because no one works at 100%. But let's just make pretend you have a person that's working at 80%. They're happy. They have a flexible job. They can go see their family over the summer whenever they want. You know what I mean? There's just no worry they care about your company that's that is what this the whole hr space has always been talking about employee engagement how do you keep your employees engaged this is what we're talking about we're talking about employees that's like nah i've i've gotten four or five offers from headhunters on linkedin and i'm all set you know why cuz cuz Mitko keep, treats me right he pays me very well and i can i'm i i get to choose whereas a co- a colleague of, of mitko's right? They go into your office every single day because you gave them a choice. So back to your question, where can they get involved? I think getting involved in the, in the HR space with data, um, with skills around feedback and listening and the value of listening and the value of measuring. Um, I, I, I feel like right now, a lot of these leaders are requiring people back to the office with no data to support their claims, just that I like to do this. Um, 
Right, right. And and honestly, I'm going to give some of the managers a little bit of sl- slack here. I, a lot of times, it's not even what the managers want. You know, like the man, you got to think about sometimes the managers in, in between. A lot of times it's, it's what the CEO and the VPs at the highest level want. And, and HR is in this weird space where they're forced to do what they know the data behind what works. So I would I would get into the space of listening, um, feedback. I would get into measurement, assessment and evaluation. And then I would write about it. And I think that's if you want to get into this space of being an expert, we need more and more people talking about what can be done and, and, and what are the good things about remote work and the bad things and what people are doing to work on those bad things. So that's I mean, I'm sorry, it's it's a long winded answer for what people should do. But like, I feel like if, if you just want to be a remote worker, that's something different. If you want to kind of help move this this, you know, this movement forward, we need to provide people with the data. And, and the understanding of why this 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 can work and it, mm-hmm. and it does work and i think for for you know if, if somebody's listening to this um like myself to be honest who is in the second category of like hey i want to become more involved in this space i want to i want to push this space forward what's really exciting about it is there's not that many people that are like working on this. Do you know what I mean? And like, it feels to us like, you know, you and I have a lot of friends who are really, really good at this. And Mm, it mm. may feel like we're a big group, but if you zoom out in the grand scheme of things, it's not big. So there's so much space for people to come in and like, and it's still this exciting wild, wild west where even the experts have been experts for five years, maybe 10, if they got started, like if they, you know, like it's weird that I'm, like an older remote work person because I started in 2016, which to me is bizarre. Right. But most people got started in like 2020, 2021, whatever. Um, And so I think that's really exciting is it's perfect time for somebody to come in and, and and learn and and kind of grow uh, with, with the space. So, um, but Kaleem, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I'm not yeah, paying yeah. you 24 grand to be on here, so I appreciate. I appreciate. <laughs> That's you not true. Don't time. hey, listen. Don't let him fool you. He's paying <laughs> a very hefty sum. It's just a little bit less than that. Not much. Not much. <laughs> uh, let people know uh, where can they, you know, where can they check out the podcast? Uh, where can they find out more about you if they want to hire you for speaking, um, or even you know blend blend me if if they want to, you know, uh, if if somebody's listening here that that wants to get your consulting services, where can they find all that? Yeah, so you can um, learn more about Blend at blendmeinc.com. Um, you can also request a speaker there. Just hit contact us. Um, and then you can just follow me at...